When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met fellow adventurers, I'm now going to be starting the Seven Goblins series of adventures. It's a series of seven adventures and and one little wrap-up scenario, all involving goblins. You may have already heard part six. If you haven't, it, it's on the list. It's on the list already. And later other parts will be released. You can scroll, you'll be able to scroll down and find them too. Just have to look a bit. Anyway, so I've gone to a place called the Iron Shore Hollows. The Iron Shore Hollows, situated on the southwestern edge of Lake Ionian, derives its name from the three broad natural harbours that have long sustained the region's inhabitants with a brilliant, with a vibrant fishing industry. Each of the hollows is home to a small but thriving villages, inhabited by fishermen who are happy to make their living on the frigid waters of the lake. Ventures for this location. Seven Goblins, Part 1, The Hills, North and West. The horrifying events that unfolded in the hills north and west of Tilwall, the northernmost of the three thriving villages situated in the area in the area known as the Iron Shore Hollows, will forever be among your most haunting memories. I start, and there. So it begins. The horrifying events that unfolded in the hills north and west of Tillswell, the northernmost of the three firing fishing villages situated in the area known as the Iron Shore Hollows, will be forever among your most haunting memories. For three days, you follow the lonely woodland road that wearily shakes its way along the western shore of the immense and frigid Lake Iwonian. You have encountered few travellers on your, on your trek through the rugged, hilly terrain, and have at times found you so to be in awe of the majestic beauty of the vast wilderness that surrounds you. The road you've been travelling takes a turn to the northeast and brings you nearer to the lake and close to one of the three villages to be found in the region known as the Iron Shore Hollows. It's the northernmost of the, of the trio of settlements that occupy the hollows, the village of Tilwall. As the road passes through the outskirts of the village, it turns sharply to the north, and it is along this stretch to encounter the first signs indicate something here is horribly wrong. An abandoned wagon at the side of the road, loaded with sacks of grain, sits within sight of some of the first of Tilwall's outlying buildings. A pair of draft horses, still hitched to the wagon, graze quietly in the tall grass at the edge of the forest. You're about to move close and examine the wagon, when you spot something nearly a dozen yards past it, just inside the woods that border the road. It's the face-down body of a man. Not a second thought. You rush ahead and discover, much to dismay, the body is that of a middle-aged man, whose cloth shirt is soaked with blood. You carefully turn the man's body over and wince at the sight of a deep red gash that stretches across the breadth of his torso. He has been cut down by the sword, and very likely within the hour. Instinctively, you raise your head from the man's remains and peer in both directions along the road before scanning the trees to the west. 
in case the perpetrator of this vicious attack still alerts me nearby. I find it hard to believe that robbery would be the motive for the slaying, as both the grain-laden wagon and the pair of horses drawing it were certainly of value to any would-be highwayman. Indeed they would. Especially since horses can move themselves. And you can easily sell them. Just wide, wide enough villages over that no one recognises the horse. Sell it. Easy peasy. I presume. I mean, I've, I've never really... I've, ne- I've never took up a career in horse rustling or whatever it's called. So I wouldn't know... How 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 you can go around selling selling stolen horses? Is there a horse fence you take them to? Who you know uses a little bit? Who does things the horses so they can't be recognised? And paints them, shaves them a bit, puts some weird orthodontic stuff on. I don't know. As I say, <laughs> I've not. I don't, I'm not a professional horse thief. The sharp snapping of a twig to your left serves to send your pulse racing and provides you with what appears to be an answer to your question surrounding the slain man. Creeping out of the thick brush at the edge of the forest to your left are three cave goblins. I might as well click that link now because you're going to be hearing a lot of them. Cave goblins, like most other goblins, are a cruel, savage race of demi-humans who thrive upon deceit, murder and chaos. Cave goblins are somewhat akin to shade goblins, although they are larger and stronger. As their name suggests, they prefer to dwell in large caves. And they will fearlessly defend their lairs against any and all threats. Although they prefer the dark, unlike their shade goblin kin, these foul creatures are not completely averse to the likes of sun. This generally makes them a wide-ranging and bolder enemy. The majority of cave goblins live in sizable clans, although the larger and stronger the breed often choose out on their own, seeking out a solitary and cruel existence in the dark corner of the world. These malevolents share with all of Goblin a deep hatred for humanity and all that it represents. Although I wonder, is it perhaps a bit more complicated than that? Perhaps we shall see. The vicious trio, each of them gripping long scimitars, quickly spread out and begin to close in on you from all from three sides. You instinctively assume a defensive posture. Only an instant before the goblins charge, their deadly blades poised to cut you down. With no way to flee from these vile creatures, you must fight them to the death. Begin combat. The cave goblin warriors attack me viciously. I attack them back more viciously. I have slain these foes. 13 XP. Oh, and that's unlucky again, isn't it? You gaze down upon your... And the corpses of your foes to take a moment to wipe the grime of battle from your face. Without warning, three, four more cave goblins burst out of the undergrowth. Three of the goblins, each wielding scimitars, step to the side as the fourth steps forward, brandishing a bolt sling, the sight of which serves to immediately fill you with dread. What is a bolt sling? The bolt sling, also sometimes called a bolt slinger, is a quasi-mechanical device constructed out of wood and iron that somewhat resembles a crossbow. This, is an, this item is a devastating weapon that fires sharpened metal bolts at extreme velocities which are capable of killing outright anything they hit. A series of gears wound by a cord and controlled with a release lever give give the Boltsling its awesome power. Boltslings have been almost universally outlawed throughout all, all the North Broadlands. But I don't think these goblins care, <laughs> because they're trying to kill people, which is also illegal. A sharp click 
followed immediately by a loud whistling sound signals to enemies fired the deadly missile hurling weapon, squeaking forward to, to squeaking towards you in impossible velocity is a sharpened iron spike. Now I can use fortification, telekinesis, conjuration or shadow magic. If any of them are above sixty level sixty or above, I have telekinesis at level sixty. So I'm good. I have to use that. Or I could just dodge. It succeeded. 16 XP to telekinesis. You channel your power telekinesis and focuses on the blur that is hurling that is the hurtling iron spike. Miraculously, your massive discipline of mind over matter allows you to strike the deadly missile with enough telekinetic force to drive it off course and send it sailing into the woods on your right. I hope it doesn't hit anyone. If it ain't one of those goblins, I wouldn't care that much. Wasting no time, you leap forward. It probably just bashes into a tree. Wasting no time, you leap towards the goblin holding the bolt sling, eager to make certain the creatures does not again have a chance to fire the deadly device. The goblin clutching the bolt sling growls something, and immediately the three creatures lurking behind him step forward, brandishing their long-bladed scimitars. As the goblin, as the goblin with the bolt sling turns and rushes off into the woods, you are left to face his three snarling kin. The first of the scimitar-wielding cave goblins bounds forward and attacks. It's a cave goblin warrior again. And I fight. Slashes at you with his scimitar. It is slain. 6 XP. You leap back from the remains of the cave goblin as the creature's two savage kin bound over the corpse, wildly swinging their scimitars. I begin combat. The cave goblin warriors attack me viciously. And they are slain now. 12 XP. The momentary silence that follows the defeat of the three goblin warriors is shattered by a telltale sound of a sharp click, followed by the loud whistling of a bolt sling about to loose its deadly payload. You have but a split second to avoid falling victim to the deadly attack. So I need fortification, conjuration, or shadow magic at 60 plus. I don't have either of any of those. So if you want to see what happens if you do use them, you've got, you've got to play the game. Attempt to dodge the streaking iron bolt. At la the last second, you catch a glimpse of a silver streak out of the corner of your left eye and dive forward praying that your reaction has been in time to spare you the collision with the deadly iron spike. Picking a number, bonus of 30, 20 from agility, 10 from luck. Going to get 50 or more. Ooh, ooh, it's not, it, there's a chance it could go bad. There's a chance, let's just say, success! Your swift reaction has very likely saved your life. The sharpened iron spike whistles past. Coming within inches of your of your, of the back of your head as you dive to the ground, you quickly regain your feet, fearful that another shot may intimately follow. Realizing the grave peril you invite by remaining stationary, you rush over to the spot from which you believe the last shot of the bolt swing originated. But as you thrash your way through the thick undergrowth at the edge of the wood, you find no sign of the goblin or his terrible weapon. Suddenly, an alarming sound sails out of the deep forest to the west. One that fills your heart with both pity and dread. It's just a desperate, forlorn cry of a young child, as your mind is flooded with gruesome possibilities representing that lonely call, which has now fallen silent. You dash into the trees to your right, moving deeper into the woods, desperate to discover the source of the cry. For several minutes, you hack your way through the thick undergrowth, that tears at your arms and legs as you make slow but steady progress into the heart of the tangled forest. And now again, you pause and, listen, pause and listen for signs of the cry. But only the wind and the noisy calls of woodland birds interrupt the stillness of this ancient domain. Beginning to despair that you've lost your chance to find whoever, whoever it was. Whilst those haunting cries still echoes in your head when you come across a narrow track leading 
Where's the north? You follow the trail, trail for several minutes until it suddenly forks. Now, I can choose the left fork or the right fork, but I can use woodmanship, divination, or shadow magic to help me make the choice. All at 40 plus. So I only have woodmanship and divination to choose from for now. If I'd learnt shadow magic, I could have done that, but I haven't, so I can't. I'm going to go woodmanship, because yeah, that's a higher level, so it's a slightly higher chance of success. Woodmanship. 4xp to woodmanship, it succeeded. He dropped down and closely examined the ground for a few yards along the right swamp. Your expert eye discerns that a large group of goblins have passed this way quite recently. You, you, you raise your gaze from the ground and scan the trail before you. The narrow path passes between two nearly impenetrable thickets. Something that both your instinct and experience tells you makes it a spot wiped for goblin ambush. Now the thing is, if they were dragging people behind them, which I assume they've done, because I mean, I mean, I've seen goblins. I know from back in Westworld that goblins take people, sometimes to eat, sometimes to torture, maybe even for other purposes, like I don't know, slavery. Presumably, they could get some sort of labour out of them. Maybe just sell them to other people. There's a lot of things you can do with a person if you don't if you have absolutely no sense of morals. Continue along the yeah. That's the that's the path that's most likely to get me quickest to the people in danger. So I'll take the white fork. You covered nearly fifty yards along the white fork in the track when suddenly the dense undergrowth on either side of the trail explodes. Your heart skips a beat. A sick. Cave goblins spill out of the path on all sides of you. Before you assume a defensive posture, one of the vicious humanoids, his, his festering lips drawn back into a hideous sneer, thrust a, tones, thrust a stone-tipped spear at you. Pick a random number. Get a bonus of 45, 20 from agility, 10 from luck, and 15 from unarmed combat. So, if I if I got on combat up to 80, it would be a guaranteed success, I think. Let me just see. Yeah, it's 59 now, so it's divided by 4. Yep, yeah, so 80, I'll have a guaranteed success. But that's going to be a lot. That's, not, that's a long way off. So, a pick and just see if I don't get unlucky. Success! You expertly twist to the side. Narrowly dodging the tip of the goblin's spear. Please continue. The sick goblins almost quickly encircle you, leaving you with no option but to fight, forcing you to draw yourself into a defensive stance. The first two creatures, their gnarled fingers, figures, quietly gripping the halves of their crude, stone-tipped wooden spears, close in and attack two cave goblin warriors. They hack at me viciously. Well, they attack me viciously. And they laid a brutal stroke for seven damage. I keep fighting. And another brutal stroke for five damage. I have slain this foe. 12 XP. Three of the four remaining warriors step over the corpses of their fallen kin and attack, striking out at you with a crude array of goblin weaponry. Fight three cave goblin warriors. They attack me viciously. I also attack viciously. I have slain these foes. They all fall down. The last of the, the six goblins, apparently with no stomach left for fight, turns and flees, dashing wildly on the trail in a desperate bid to escape the human slayer that just fell five of its kin. Hmm. Do I follow after him or not? I also got 17 experience. I see. I mean, I could. I, maybe I could interrogate him. Find out where where the presumed kidnapped people have gone. I mean, I don't even know if people have been kidnapped. That could, could have just been running away, in which case he wouldn't know anything. But 
they probably kidnapped at least a few people. If only to save killing them for killing them for later. Alright, I'm gonna attempt to stop the fleeing cave goblin. With no desire to to allow the fleeing goblin to let any more of the kin to your presence. Also that. Yes, that. You decide at once to make every effort to stop the wretched creature from escaping. I can use archery, elementalism, illusion, gating, or telekinesis. I'm going to use... Mm, illusion. That's usually the fun one. Your illusion has succeeded. You call upon your power of illusion and watch with satisfaction as two nearly perfect like near perfect likeness of two sword wielding humans appear on the trail several yards ahead of the fleeing goblin. The miserable creature shrieks in alarm and turns to retreat on the path, only to find you have moved up swiftly behind. The cave goblin snarls viciously and lunges at you with a long bladed knife. Begin combat. Cave Goblin stabs at you with this long bladed knife. It stabs again, but it doesn't, it doesn't get a single hit in before it is slain. 6xp. Following the defeat of the Goblin Warrior, you spend several minutes watching and listening for any sign that would indicate more of the foul creatures are nearby. And at last, you're certain that you're not in any intimate danger. You resume your cautious trek along the trail. The trail continues for nearly a quarter of a mile before turning sharply west and then bending back to the south. At the base of a small hill, the trail widens and turns again. This time, heading for the north, heading to the north and west. You've gone less than a hundred yards along the length of the, the trail when you spot the body of a man slumped up against the base of a towering oak at the edge of the path. The man's shirt is soaked with blood and his breathing is shallow and ragged. The grey-haired man looks up as you approach and winces as he is apparently overcome by pain. Several deep wounds widow his body, leaving you with little doubt that he is yet another victim of the vicious goblins. They have the children! Is all he says to you before his eyes flicker and close for the final time. You, you, bow, you bow your head and offer a silent prayer to the man, vowing to avenge his death and discover the meaning of the last, his last chilling words. Okay, now, now you're in for it. You continue to follow the trail for nearly a mile as it winds its way into the forested hills north and west of the Ironshore Hollows. Since your encounter with the dying man, you've seen the... Neither see nor heard any sign of goblins that you are certain have fled into this region. You are about to abandon your search for the creatures, despite the fact that it seems they may have taken some humans prisoner, when the sounds of voices from ahead freezes you in your tracks. You creep forward along the trail, keeping low to the ground, and arrive at the edge of a small veil. Peering over the lip of the veil, you are elated to find your tenacity has been rewarded. There! The bottom of the of the shallow valley is a large gathering of goblins. From your vantage point at the edge of the vale, you count more than two dozen cave goblins milling about, seated against against a broad outcropping of rock. On the north side of the vale are sixteen humans. All but two of them are children. The young adult men are slipping for are slumped forward and their clothing is soaked with blood, causing you to believe they are dead. The children, however, are alive, though you cannot begin to imagine the terror with which they must view this scenario. As your mind races to come up with a plan to rescue the children from their vile captures, you suddenly become aware of two figures making their way down, the va down into the valley from the east. Anger swells up within you, realise this pair of huge Newcomers are human, men who are seemingly in league with the goblins. The shorter of the two men, a bold-headed, middle-aged man, clad in a red tunic and leather leggings, 
boldly approaches the apparent leader of the goblins, the large cave goblin. His thickly muscled arms fold holded over his broad chest, mutters something in the guttural tongue of his kin that seems to be directed at the two humans. The man in the red tunic scowls in response. Save your savage tongue for your miserable clan, he says. His striking, deep tone in his voice, both unexpected and unnerving. You told me there would be three dozen. I count barely a dozen, and they're all children. The goblin leader grumbles and casts his hand in the direction of the terrified young captives. They fought hard in the village, he snarls, disdain for both humans before him, paying his tone of voice. This is what there is. How many dead in turmoil, says the human, frowning. Twenty or more, replies the goblin, folding his arms. We do not wish to linger here. Where is the gold? Very well. We shall raise the dead in the village and harvest the living you have brought us, he says. His, his trilling words an obvious reference to killing the children. Imador, give this lot their gold. Your pulse quick. Quickens and your face flushes as anger wells up within you. The turn of phrase used by the man in the red tunic. Raise the dead in the village and harvest the living you have brought us. Leave little doubt in your mind that this cruel human is a necromancer. Oh, well, admittedly, I'm a necromancer too, but I don't. I only deal with people who died other or another means. And a man with, a cru with cruel designs on raising the humans slain by the goblins on Tyrol and killing the prisoners now huddled on the far side of the Vale. I mean, no, oh, oh, necromancers. This is a medieval kingdom. People die all the time. There's a load of dead people you can find if you just go, if you just wait a bit. Just wait. Just wait. And people and they conveniently bury them all in well-marked places. You want, you want dead to raise. Just wait. Maybe you could, maybe you could, you know, set up some sort of contract. You know, I'll pay you 50 gold tokens. And then when you're dead, I'll raise you and then use you for three years. After that, you will be buried again, and I'll put a little cross, I'll put a little symbol on it saying that your contract has been fulfilled and no one is to wise this person again. It's a simple deal. You don't have to murder people to get skeletons. People turn into skeletons on their own in time. You're so stupid. You're just so stupid. You stupid, stupid necromancer. And that's not even getting into the fact that you could use you could, that with you know if you were a little more skilled you know you actually paid attention in necromancer school you could learn how to raise animals all the all the various demi human races and then you wouldn't then animals get killed all the time anyway think of all the things you could do with with a pig. With, with your pigs on, with your pig skeleton army. But no, no, you just had, you just went, you just went straight to murder, didn't you? Ugh, you're such an idiot. You're not just evil, you're stupid. So anyway, I'm going to have to kill you now. And hopefully, that will be the end of it. But since you're a necromancer, hmm. It, it may well not be. You have no intention of letting either of these horrid events take place. The taller of the two men, previously identified by his cohort as Ilmador, retrieves a bulging leather bag and presents it to the goblin chief. The, the savage goblin peers into the bag, studies his remote and draws it shut, and grumbles and nods to the two humans, having apparently accepted their payment. As you begin to hopefully contemplate the next course of action, a sound from behind causes you to, your heart to skip beat. Spin around and find yourself confronted by two snarling cave goblins sneaking along the narrow swale. 
the vicious goblin squeak loudly, alerting all within the veil to your quest. Oh, God damn it! I should have, I should have kept, kept alert. Oh dear! As the savage pair bounds towards you with their skimitars drawn, the goblins in the veil stir into an intimate friendly frenzy. Several of the foul creatures begin climbing up the southern side of the valley towards you, while the rest begin moving out of the veil to the west. The two humans turn their gazes upon you, but remain where they are. There is little time to dwell on what is happening in the veil, however, as you quickly find yourself locked in a fight for your life against two merciless cave goblin warriors. Begin combat. They attack me viciously. But I fight back and slay them. 12xb. With the two cave goblins lying at your feet, you rush to the edge of the veil, only to find yourself confronted by seven of the vicious humanoids. The goblins stream up and over the lip of the shallow valley, forcing you to retreat along the veil. You take up a tactical position at the base of the pair of tall pines, allowing you to face them one at a time. Look. Okay, goblin. You've already got your money. You've been paid. You don't have to do this. Just take your money and run. Take the money and run. That's the best. You've seen I just slayed those two goblins. This isn't a... This isn't likely to end well for you. Or maybe you're just so angry that you can't think straight. Although admittedly around that Wedco guy, he, he looks like the sort of person who can who can profit, who can cause people to become dust that angry. The first of the savage creatures bows bounds along a trowel and lunges at you, slashing out widely with this notched short sword. It's a cave goblin warrior. Fighty 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 slashes with his short sword. 6 XP. You look over the corpses of your foe as you pause to admire your grim handiwork. You are immediately engaged by the cave by the cave goblin. It's, it's the second cave goblin. Another one. And here's number three. Yep, there's seven. Seven as you saw before. Right, four, seven. Keep slicing. Here it comes. Number five. Okay, okay, now the rest of you, you should probably stop. Right, six. Although maybe the uh, maybe maybe the people at the back haven't seen yet and are still pushing people forwards. You know, maybe it's that. Well, uh, and, and they're just and once they get to the front, there's me. So it's, it's, it's some it's like some horrific version of a Black Friday queue. For them, for me, it's just it's XP. <laughs> seven XP. All right, it's the seventh cave goblin, and it savagely attacks me. Yes. It's another seven XP. You rush past the bloody corpses of the slain goblins, the lip of the valley, peering down into the shallow ravine. You spot only the goblin chieftain and the two humans. You surprised that the remaining goblins have fled. Good. You do that. You keep doing that, goblins. Just keep running away. It's the best. It's the best thing you can do. Just go deep, deep into the wilderness and just, just, just live there. Do your own thing. You know, just pick berries. Maybe grow some mushrooms. I don't know how your economy works. I've been too. Because by, by the time I get there, it, by the time I get there, everyone's dead. And there's no one for me to do. There's no one for me to pull out my service question. Well, excuse me. Yeah, yes, you're in this village. What, 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 what do you, what's your profession? Can't ask that. There's all this violence. I'm a terrible anthropologist. The 16 human prisoners, 14 of them children, are still seated on the ground against the large rock on the far side of the valley floor. 
the eyes of the bald man in the red tunic and the broadly cave goblin turn in your direction. Kill him, commands the human. His gold blood rays fall upon the goblin chief. The, go the goblin seems taken aback by the bold order and grumbles something in order. Kill him yourself, growls the savage creature. Appears to want no part. To want no part of you. Of you following a stunning victory over so many of his horde. Okay. Okay, you okay, I don't like you, but I slightly respect you. The man, who you believe to be a necromancer, grins and produces an iron wand which he levels at the goblin. The goblin chieftain shrieks in alarm and throws his horrible, sizable friends hands in front of his face, but he is too late. A violent thunderclap shakes the valley as a wide arc of lightning erupts from the tip of the wand and strikes the goblin, cleanly removing his head. The headless corpse slumps to the ground and the man in the red tunic steps forward, apparently to admire. What happens next confirms your dreadful suspicions. Standing over the corpse of the chain goblin chieftain, the man in the red tunic makes several strange motions with his hands. He closes his eyes and steps back. As he does, the headless carcass of, a hit of the hideous goblin leecher staggers to his feet. The man you respect of being a necromancer has just raised the stained goblin from the dead. Look! You could use goblins! All this, all this crazy scheme! And you could have just raised goblins at any time? Look, just, just follow any adventure around for, for a few days. You'll find all the dead goblins you need. For whatever it is that your actual plan is. God, are you even stupider than I thought you were? And I already thought you were really stupid. The necromancer turns and turns and points towards you. Is it by the simple dick? As if commanded by the simple gesture, the headless goblin suddenly charges. Using a broad-bladed, drawing a broad-bladed axe, it closes in on you. I can use art. There's. I can use archery, telekinesis, or elementalism. If necromancy was a fifty or higher, I could use that. I'm going to have a go with elementalism. I could rush. Or I could rush forward. Or I could wait for it to come to me. Honestly, there's arguments for either of those. Alright, I'll use elementalism. As you, you, clo you close your eyes as you channel your power of elementalism. Your eyes spring open when, in answer to your hasty summons, the ground before you erupts, sending you staggering back beneath a shower of earth and stone. A massive earth elemental, made of dirt, rot, and rock and roots, rises out of the open ground before you and stomps forward to meet the undead goblin's charge. The headless goblin chieftain swipes at your summonation with his broad laser axe, but the savage strike is to be his last act. With a deafening war, the mighty elemental being sma smashes the undead goblin with his fist driving the hideous creature into the ground beneath the weight of the blow. The wizened goblin chieftain is no more. The elemental twop promptly retreats back into the open earth. And that's another thing you could have done, Necromancer. Just use elementalism. I, I, can, I can summon minions wherever I want. And I get four distinct kinds. That's, that's, that's just much better. And you don't have to kill anyone. You don't have to creep out anyone by, by messing with the dead. And you get minions. Win-win, surely. And you can fire firebolts. That's also fun. Yes, yes, you could have done that instead. Just something to consider. Although you've probably gone too far now to stop. Yep, but as I say, you're now a murderer. So you have to die, and hopefully stay dead. But realizing delay is not an option, you swiftly and nimbly descend the treacherous, 
Lee Stone Swope and arrive at the bottom of the shallow vale. Standing less than 20 yards from you is the necromancer and his taller human cohort. Both men regard you with icy, contemptuous glares. Necromancer folds his arm and smiles. The man at his side, whom he has previously identified as Imanur, produces a bolt sling and, tra- and trains a deadly missile projector at you. There's no need for heroics, says the necromancer. I have of the more reasonable sort. Perhaps there's agreement we might come to. We step forward, momentarily disregarding the deadly weapon pointed in your direction, and boldly demand that these men allow, allow you to leave for the people they're taking captive. The necromancer shakes his head. Look, there's a big pile of goblins behind me. Do your necromancy on them. Okay? Just do it on them. Of course, I still have to kill you for all that for the village. So, we're, we're, we're well past negotiation. We are well past the point of negotiation. Not without something returned, friend. I pay good gold for that lot. I'll sooner deliver you the fate, deliver you the fate of that savage goblin, than relinquish what is rightfully mine, without appropriate compensation. That is. The man's attitude towards the fourteen children and two, two seriously wounded adults sickens and angers you, despite your desire to swiftly engage both the necromancer and his silent cutoffs. Realise you must not do anything that might indirectly, directly or indirectly injure those you are attempting to rescue. A quick glance at the children reveals the wariness that is plainly evident on their grimy, tear-streaked faces. Imador noiselessly adjusts his hold on the bolt sling in what seems to be a calculated gesture designed to remind you of the deadly pool tool pointed directly at you. Now the thing is Yeah, I'm not I probably shouldn't say this, but if you pointed that bolt at the children, I would probably do whatever you said. But no 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 don't but don't listen to this or you'll admit you're a bad guy. Okay. I can just pack. There's an item that I can use, but it had to be something super impressive to, to a necromancer. So and I don't have anything like that. So I can pay gold for release of the captives. Gold that I know full well he'll use to hire more goblins to kill more people. So, I'm, I'm not doing that. I do not negotiate with terrorist necromancers. So, I've got to attempt to, to, free, to free the captives in some other fashion. As the necromancer and his cohort await your response, your mind races to determine the next course of action. I can use... As you can use destruction, illusion, illusion, elementalism, archery. Or I could rush just just tack. Or I could go actually no, I will pay them gold. What should I use? I'm gonna use the power of destruction. Succeeded. 4xp to destruction. You call upon your power of destruction and focus its negative energy on the bolts thing that Imador has trained on you. The deadly projectile hurler quivers violently and then disintegrates in his hand. Okay, that's that's probably the most eliciting a surprise gasp of the next man's tall accomplice. Yeah, that's the most the most immediate threat dealt with. Now now all they can do is melee and whatever weird things the necromancer can summon. Oh, and that wand. You could use that wand on me. Yeah, yeah, I'm still in a lot of danger. I'm just slightly less danger. I've now got the, the list of things that could immediately kill me has been reduced by one. And that's a, that's a win. You're quite the small bit of trouble, says the necromancer. His tone devoid of any semblance motion. I've no time to meddle with you now. Another time, then. The necromancer turns to his left, and almost immediately a swirling black vortex opens in front of him. 
he and Eldor swept, step swiftly into the portal, and it closes silently behind them. Wasting no time in moving over to free the children, whose hands had been bound with thin rope, they were relieved, many of them overjoyed, though several of them break down into frantic sobs, which believe that both the men and women who are with them are dead. A closer examination of the two men reveals, much to relief, they have been badly battered, but are still alive, and will likely recover from their ordeal. After untying three of the children, we instruct them to free the others, while you make a quick examination of the area. The scouring of the valley forlorn leads you directly to the corpse of the headless goblin chieftain on the south side of the vale. You search the goblin goblin's corpse, but discover nothing of any value. Even his broad-bladed axe is in despair, and of little practical use as a reliable weapon. Well, maybe you might have done better, Redcoat, if you hadn't hired these garbin break garbin bracelet basement goblins. Not that I want you to do better, but if I'm going to fight, I want to fight the best, because then that leaves the best removed. Because they're dead. Because I killed them. You're about to turn away from this body and head back to join the free citizens of Chilwell when you spot something on the white wrist of the slain creature. Partially hidden below, a thick leather wing that encircles the goblin chieftain's wrist is a strange red marking. You slide the wing down and discover that the marking is a cruel tattoo the likeness of a tall, thin flame. As you turn away from the goblin's corpse and start to head back to the, to the free catchers, you glance back at the strange marking, only to have your heart skip two beats when you realise it is no longer there. You rush back to the side of the cave goblin and stare down at the creature's wrist. There is no trace of the marking you saw plainly only moments ago. With no way to explain the unsettling currents, you are... And now, more eager than ever to gather the people you have freed and leave the forest, you start back towards the former captives. You've taken less than ten steps in his direction. Direction, however, you suddenly freeze in mid-steps, your eyes fixed in horror on the thin, tall, thin, red flame tattoo, now adorning your white wrist. Oh dear. You spend several moments examining and touching the red marking, now since permanently affixed to your wrist, hoping that, that your slaying the goblin chieftain has not affixed you with some, caused you to inherit some terrible curse which you might have been inflicted. Pu- pushing such unpleasant thoughts out of your mind, and realising that it seems you have to live with the mark, at least for now, you turn your attention back to the newly liberated humans. And set about the somewhat arduous task of organising them for the rugged trek back to Turwell. The two men among the sixteen people you rescued in the forest vale proved to be harder than you could have imagined. By the time you reached the edge of the forest, they have regained much of their strength and will. Children, though impossibly vary, and many of them still terrified, seem to have miraculously suffered no ill use at the hands of their savage captures. I guess the necromancer wanted in them intact. Or oh, they just really, they, they got lucky. Well, I wouldn't say lucky. They got less unlucky than they could have. A woman, who is one of the only elders of Tyrwell to survive the goblin attack, washes out to greet you with a, with a throng of relieved and overjoyed citizens as you return to the village. You speak with her at length. Filling her in on the details of your battle with the goblins and the necromancer whose n- nightmare designs seem to evolve the capture of living subjects. You remain in Tilwell for most of the day, hoping, hoping to bury the brave citizens of the lakeside village who died defending their homes and families from the cruel horde that swept out of the forest early this morning. Your presence seems to put many of the village survivors at ease. And it is with great sorrow that the grateful people of Tidwell, sorry, the grateful people of Tid, Tidwell, bid you farewell under the late afternoon sky. As you depart Tidwell, 
the northernmost of the villages of the Ansel Hollows, Gunda how long it would be before life in the small lakeside settlement returned to form normal. You also find yourself thankful that it happened upon the village precisely when you did. Though it would be better if I turned up hmm, a couple of hours earlier. Then it could have been how some how how a attack of goblins was foiled by foiled by a by a convenient hero and nobody died at all except all the goblins. You're quite certain more than a few of Tiro's grateful citizens feel the same way. At the end of a wide belt of fir trees, as you're passing over the northern limits of the Iron Swallows, you turn over your wrist to see if the strange mark you acquired in the forest vale is still there. It is. Much to your growing concern, it all seems to be glowing in the deep orange radiance of the late afternoon sun. 768 experience to general. Okay, that's this quest done. Now I'm going to travel back to Twithic. I'm going to west. Then I'm going to save, and we are now done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.